The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. On this episode of the Heat Check, the new season is almost here, so we're going to start giving the teams that we think are going to have the biggest leap forward and the teams that I see falling fast. Let's just do four. We'll get into the latest from around the league, including an update on the Dame drama that seems to never end. And folks, it's a doozy. Lots to talk about. So welcome to my new producer, William. Go ahead and drop that generic ass beat that should be Rihanna. Break, we're breaking down all the biggest NBA storylines. You're tuned in to The Heat Check. The Heat Check with Trista Crick. The best podcast covering all the drama around the association. So training camp is set to start Monday morning. That is less than a week away. So I think we should start upcoming, previewing the upcoming season because it's right around the corner. By the way, where, where did the summer go? I feel like it, it's just gone, just poof. If you're hardened in your game, you've been waiting, waiting for the phone to ring so you know where you're going to be suiting up this year. But if you're everyone else, you're just waiting for the balloon to go up. Um, so what teams are on the rise and what teams do we think are going to take a big dive this year? So let's get into it. Never fear. Here are four teams that are on the rise and who you need to keep a very close eye on going forward. Let's start with the East, Uh, Orlando Magic. Yeah, yeah, the Orlando Magic are a team on the rise. Even though they're a clown organization, even though I absolutely hate their PR guy, Joel, Joel Glass, they they are living proof that if you are abysmal for long enough, Uh, you can get draft picks that are good enough that at some point a transcendent star is going to come around. And even you, even you can't make the wrong decision. And that is now the story of the Magic. Because face it, they've now hired some good people from the Oklahoma City Thunder where they've got a game plan. But now Paolo has changed the fortunes of this organization. Uh, Even a blind squirrel could have known Paolo Bancaro, who's like 6'8", 260, maybe, yeah, 6'8", 260. Anyone could have known that he was a game changer. 27 and 4 in his rookie year. Showed flashes of MVP caliber play. Greatness. The guy's going to be one of those assassins where he won't make one memorable play, but you look at the box score at the end of the game and it's like 31, 12, and 7. He's going to do something like that every game. Going to be a sneaky good passer for his entire career. No real weaknesses in his game except for as a three-point shooter. Probably a little bit of ball handling, getting to the rim off the dribble. But that should come with time. And he's also 6'8". 
Then you add in Franz Wagner, who was incredible for Germany. Undefeated gold medal in the FIBA World Cup run. His brother, Mo Wagner, who's actually like turned out to be no slouch. Wendell Carter, that's one hell of a front line. All under the age of 23. But now then you add in the guard play, and that's where I get very excited. Incoming of Jawan Howard's son, Jet Howard, and Anthony Black gives the Magic now guards who are 6'8 and 6'7, respectively. And that is going to make a lot of small guarded teams like the Cleveland Cavaliers shit their fucking pants. That means they can field a starting five, all 6'7 and over. You add in Markel Fultz who hopefully has put the injury bug behind him. You add in Jalen Suggs, and this team is very young. People don't even remember that Fultz is only 25. They're very athletic, and they could be a real problem. The nice part is that they still have pieces like Cole Anthony, Terrence Ross, Goga Batazzi, Joe Ingles. Not sure what Joe Ingles is doing there. I'm not <laughs> – I don't know. I guess it's got to be for trade chips. He, But he's there. And he could help a contending team so they can even load up on more assets and maybe even a veteran shooter. This team in February and March last year was 13 and 13. They should be a lot more deep, a lot more experienced this season. So for me, the upside of the Magic is very high. The upside for the Magic is winning their division, especially considering that the Atlanta Hawks are a very strange-ass team that I cannot get behind. Moving forward, speaking of teams with massive upsides, I could not be more excited for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like this is, if I didn't already have a team and I was was sent down from Mars to Earth and I became a basketball fan, I would be the fan of the Oklahoma City Thunder. This is a team that is literally so good. They're so bursting at the seams with talent. They have to shed roster players that could actually play. They had to waive Uzman Garuba, who was a top 20 pick in 2022. That was a project that they would normally try to revive and shepherd, but there's no room for them. They got, sorry, we've already got 15 roster spots. And they are a team loaded with first-round picks to the brim. I don't even know how they're going to keep all of them. They have multiple in 2024, all guaranteed contracts. They're going to have to figure out a way to make some moves. They surprised a lot of teams getting into the play-in. We tabbed them last year as a breakout team. I think that they could be a team in the top six. I think this is like the 2020-2021 Memphis Grizzlies team. Hungry, young, that is such a pain in the ass. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is unguardable. Uh, Teams try to low manage them anytime they see them on the schedule. That's because the core of this team is locked down, hard-nosed defenders. 2023. 2022-2023, Oklahoma's defense was awesome. Second in the NBA last year in points off of turnovers, in part because they were fourth in the league in steals. Shea and Lou Dort are absolute nightmares. As an aside, Lou Dort may be the largest human being that I've ever seen in my life that doesn't play football. You can see every muscle in Lou Dort's back from his T-shirt from 50 feet away. That's You can't even believe how big he is, and then imagine a small guard like, I don't know, Darius Garland getting guarded by him. Nuts. They averaged four combined steals and blocks a game between Shea and Lou Dort. And in the offseason, they added a bunch of talent. So I I think you add that to Jalen Williams and Chet Holmgren, and man, this team is fun. 
Holmgren fills their biggest problem, which was rebounding and rim protection. But the under-the-radar move that this team made was Vasily Misic, 29-year-old Serbian superstar, EuroLeague MVP, widely considered the best guard not playing in the NBA. You add Kaysen Wallace, Keontae Johnson that came in the draft, very exciting rookies. In some ways, the biggest issue is that they just have too many players. They have tons of roster spots like guys with Pokashevsky, Trey Mann, Usman Jang, Aaron Wiggins, and they might find themselves as trade bait. Maybe you package four or five of them up for a legit star. So I think as this Oklahoma City team gets better, they also have a stock cupboard that can be used to get a disgruntled superstar. Although a lot of people think that's next year when Sam Presti goes all in and probably tries to get Giannis. I think, though, it's this year. If Chet is as good as he is, as we think he is, and fits into this team's framework, and Chet can actually play the five, Oklahoma City is going to be buyers at the deadline. And let me tell you, their garage is filled with exotic cars uh, that aren't being driven, that have about eight miles on them, and they have more first-round picks to attach with any young player than you can even name any other team in the NBA. Watch the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're on the verge of being a real contender. Moving forward, another team I think that's on the rise that people do not talk nearly about enough is the Indiana Pacers. They have done a phenomenal job of rebuilding. They got off that Malcolm Brogdon contract so fast, uh, getting Aaron Neesmith. The origins of all of this, of course, was one of the best trades in recent memory for them, Halliburton for Sabonis, which made both teams really good, made them a lot better. Pacers obviously didn't even make the plan, but in terms of a piece that you can use moving forward, Hallie is one of the best young players in the NBA. He's the flagstone of this team. And they've got talent beyond Tyrese Halliburton. They have Andrew Nemhard. They have Ben Matherin. Over the last 10 games of the season, Nemhard averaged, because people don't think Nemhard's very good. They just don't know basketball. He averaged 15, 3, and 8. That's pretty good. Really, really good numbers. Wow, Benedict Matherin put up 21, 6, and 2, which were better numbers than Paolo Bancaro over his final 10 games. All of this is the reason that Pacers fans should be very excited. But then, then they have a full year of Jordan Awara, who averaged 13 in 24 games as a Pacer. They add Obi Toppin and Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown, coming off of a championship run, gets absolutely paid, gets the bag. Obi Toppin might not have stopped celebrating getting out from under Tom Thibodeau, even right now. I think both can be very valuable players. You add Ben Shepard, who played at Belmont, who some people think is actually the steal of the draft. A 2022 College Player of the Year, Oscar Toshibwe out of Kentucky. And you add Isaiah Wong from Miami. And you add Jairus Walker, who Jairus Walker in the Summer League was ridiculous. Number eight pick in the draft. And I can see all four rookies contributing this year, which is crazy. Plus, this team has tons of trade capital. Buddy Heald, who's on the trade block. TJ McConnell who's definitely on the trade block, going to be highly coveted by a lot of teams. And then you have Miles Turner, who signed to a long-term deal after being linked to every trade over the past four years, but it sounds like he's now wanted. It sounds like he has found a home in this iteration of the Indiana Pacers. He's a very unique player and was really a player that the Pacers never really quite knew how to use. 
and then you add more athleticism and a guard who can really pass and Tyrese Halliburton, and all of a sudden, Miles Turner becomes val- very valuable. Um, and I think Chad Buchanan is one of the more undervalued, underrated GMs in the NBA in all of sports because he's quietly building a team and a really fun and dangerous team in Indiana. I think he might be the league pass team of the year. And then finally, the last of the rising teams that you got to watch out for, in my opinion, which I am as surprised as you are when I was going through the list of teams that I wanted to watch and teams that I think could take. I don't know if breakout's the right word, but they were really good in the beginning of last year until they stopped trying. They were the number one team in the West for like three weeks. I know that doesn't sound like a long time, but it's three weeks. Insanely fun team. Just like Oklahoma City has a ton of draft capital to make moves because of the Rudy Gobert trade and the Donovan Mitchell trade. They were super fun last year until injuries took them by storm. Uh, Lori Markinen, Chicago, and wherever the fuck Lori came from, Cleveland, both realized, oh, man, we made a bad, bad mistake. He averaged 26-9-2 and two last year. That was the best breakout season by any player in the NBA that vaulted him from a nice piece to an all-star in one year. And I think this is the guy that you build around. They now have other nice pieces that we know of. Jordan Clarkson, I think six man of the year type player that they're going to try to keep on, keep hold of because they like him and he likes getting paid. Uh, Colin Sexton, I don't know what they're going to do with him. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, but the team really improved when they added John Collins. That's when it got very interesting to me. You add John Collins, who have said very clearly he was underutilized and not being developed in Atlanta because he played with Trey Young, and you add him to Markinen, Walker Kessler up front, that is a very fun team, very fun big three to build around. And, and I'm even more excited now, given this rookie class. You add Ohio State's Bryce Sensabaugh, who is widely considered one of the best shooters in the draft, if not the best shooter in the draft. Taylor Hendricks, who's 6'9 from Central Florida. Keontae George from Baylor. Boy, oh boy, can Keontae George play basketball. He is fucking incredible. And then second-year player Johnny Jazang and Joey Hauser, who are both on two-way contracts. On top of O'Shea Akbaji, who averaged 16-3-3 over his last 10 games. This is a very young, very talented team. Trader Danny has done a great job of rebuilding this roster in less than, I mean, it's been 12 months since he took over, like a little, a little more than 12 months. And the interesting thing to me is that there's just no chance that he's done. He'll be a part of a lot of big trades moving forward. And a lot of that is going to be because of the Jazz's ability to take on salary in exchange for draft capital. And when it comes time, look for the Jazz to make a major move, major, major move. So if, The Magic, the Thunder, the Pacers, and the Jazz are all on the move. Then who's fallen off the cliff? That's the question. Because this is a lot easier to predict, predict, in my opinion, than the teams that are on the rise, to be honest. And it's for a lot of different reasons. Number one, we got to go with the number one most obvious team that people think is actually a contender, but they are not a contender, and that is the L.A. Clippers. They are a team at a crossroads. They have one of the more talented, deep rosters in the NBA, and it doesn't matter because their players don't play. Their players are never healthy. You have nine guys on the roster with at least seven years of NBA experience under their belt, including seven with a decade or more of wear and tear on that tread. That's that's fine. Like, oh, you want a veteran team? 
yeah, but like those tires are getting a little bald and the winter's coming. You add, you have Westbrook, Batum, played 15 years. Paul George has played 13. Kawhi Leonard, 12. And that right there, in my opinion, is the problem. They're not a healthy team. Kawhi has played just 49% of the games in the past six seasons. Paul George has missed 40% of his games as a Clipper. Even Norm Powell has missed 100 games in a, in four years. That's just too much. That's just too many games to miss if you think you're a contender. I am not convinced that any of these players can play even close to 82 games. And now you add in the new load management rules. I mean, there's, there's problems, problems. This is an old team that lacks true point guard and has very little depth. K.J. Martin's fine player. I like him a lot. Plays the right way. Maybe Bones Highland can develop. Maybe he can be useful, but I don't, I don't love this roster at all, and I don't think they have much time to fix it. I don't want to play this. I don't want to overplay this too soon, but there were rumors last season about Discord in the locker room and Discord uh, with Ty Lue. And when you give Michael Winger the Clips GM, who bolts for the Washington Wizards, it doesn't give you much confidence that things are being run in a productive and healthy fashion. Sometimes you figure maybe the rumors were true, right? Maybe something is going on. It's like NASCAR driver ditching Coca-Cola as their main sponsor, and then they replace them with Starry, which I think is like... What, what did it used to be? I don't even remember. Sierra Mist? Something like that. Something is up, uh, and that's not done unless there's a reason for it. And the other problem for the Clippers is they just don't have any trade capital. There's nothing they can do. You want Harden? Who gives a fuck? How are you going to get him? They gave it all away and Shea Gilgis-Alexander to Paul, for Paul George, which could, could be and probably is the worst trade in NBA history. Their draft class, ugh. Kobe Brown at 30, who I, I don't hate, I guess. 6'8", small forward, has a little hitch in his shot, like Jordan Miller from Miami. Uh, neither are altering franchise-altering players, let's be real. And with the West on the rise, like even Utah, Utah has a better roster than the LA Clippers. I know that's crazy to say, but top to bottom, I'd rather have Utah's team. The Clippers are... One of those teams that's just going to drop off of a cliff and some, unless something goes significantly differently than the last years that Paul George and Kawhi have been there. Uh, moving forward, Brooklyn Nets, another team that you have to expect is going to decline. Uh, maybe that's a bit unfair because they were the sixth seed last year, but a lot of those games that they won came when Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant were on those teams. So they skated into the playoffs, and they were running on fumes, playing the Philadelphia 76ers. Mikel Bridges is a nice player. Cam Johnson's a nice player. But, hey, what are you going to do? That is the way the cookie crumbles. They lost two Hall of Famers within a week last season. A third made his way out in the preseason uh, last year. And we shouldn't have much of an expectation for this year, right? We, there's a real chance that the Nets might be bottom three. That's that's with a healthy Ben Simmons. I'm not sure Ben Simmons is even himself ever again. They have nice pieces I like. They have Mikael Bridges, like I said. Nick Claxton is a nice piece. If he could shoot free throws, he'd be really good. Um, Royce O'Neal is a nice player off the bench. But, like, I like Spencer Dinwiddie, too. No shade to Spencer Dinwiddie. Like, mm, that's pretty much it. That's kind of kind of it. 
you lost Utah Watanabe, one of your one of your better three point shooters who could do a little bit of everything because he decided to go play with Kevin Durant, and they lack depth. And fortunately, if you're a Nets fan, you now have assets again to go and make stuff happen. And you drain the cupboard for a decade to get Harden, KD, and Kyrie. But now, uh, after this year, you'll have five first rounders in the following five years. Kind of prime for a rebuild, if you ask me. Um, maybe you want to try to trade for Dame. I don't hate that. Go ahead, have him. Go get him. Go, go make a deal for him. Um, we then turn to Philadelphia. We talked about a lot in the offseason. They are, they are also headed for a very tumultuous season. Let's be real. Anytime Harden is on your team in the preseason at training camp and he, he doesn't want to be there then, I mean, what are you going to say? It's just you're headed for, you're headed for drama. Uh, I don't think big game James is going to decide to play for Daryl Moore anytime soon. He already said it twice. Let me say it again. I will never play for this team as long as Daryl Morey is there. So as long as Daryl Morey is there, you've got fat suit James to be worrying about. And given the fact that he was supposed to be your starting guard, you've got Tyrese Maxey there, who's a fine player, but definitely isn't, I don't think, ready to step into James Harden's shoes. You have Montrezl Harrell, who tore his ACL and is out for the full year. It's it's tailspin city, really. They finished 54 and 28 last year, right? Third place. A lot of people were high on their chances in the playoff to be a real contender. A lot of people also forget that Joel Embiid is always hurt in the playoffs, but hey, I digress. But why do I think that this team is headed for a big fall off? Best case scenario, the Sixers trade a disgruntled star for a boatload of assets, and that's not happening. The only place he wants to go to is the Clippers. And like I said, they don't have enough assets to go and get him. Some of that has to do with Harden's not the same Harden as he was in 2019. Uh, Most of it's due to the fact that no team is dumb enough to risk valuable assets on a player who is on an expiring contract and has been known to be an asshole when he doesn't want to play for that team. He's now forced his way off of three teams in three years. No shade to James Harden. That's just math school. Maury may be waiting for a star player in return, but that's not happening. Which leaves these other three scenarios. These other scenarios. First, Harden gets moved for nothing. Bag of chips. Which is probably a realistic call for a disgruntled star who's probably not even playing shape. But then you don't have really any point guard to fill your roster with, unless it's Tyrese Maxey. Second, Sixers say, Harden, you need to play basketball for us. Playing hardball, you're... There's no other way. And that can end in two ways. Harden decides he's going to, ah, my neck, my back, my neck and my back, and then just sit on the sidelines in street clothes until you trade him. That's one scenario. Or he can just dip set on you and play for China and decide, because they've already embraced him and his new brand of alcohol, and then the Sixers still have a massive hole in their lineup. The other scenario is that Harden gets forced to play for a team that he now actively hates, and we know how that goes. Like I said, he fakes an injury, and that's pretty much it. Or, actually, there is one more scenario that people are not talking about. Just fire Diramori. Just fire him. Get rid of him. And then maybe, maybe, just maybe, James Harden plays out the rest of his contract, see how he looks, You trade him maybe at the deadline to a team he wants to go to or a team that he'd be okay with. 
And then at least his value is higher than it is right now when he's telling everyone he's not going to play for you. Joel Embiid already saying that he's unhappy or at least alluding to it. Michael Scotto reported this summer that the Knicks are watching the situation because they're trying to get Joel Embiid. I mean, let's be honest. Everything I'm saying is making me out of breath because it's a shit show. We all know that the Warriors got absolutely derailed last year by external issues. If you think Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole in the face was bad enough to derail a title contender that just won the title the year before, guess what? It's even worse in Philly with those fans, with that ownership, and with the players involved. Philly is this year's wish version of Golden State. All of that brings me to the team that I think is going to be primed for a massive falloff, a team that I don't even know why people think is a real contender this year. I've been in a knockdown dragout war, folks, with Heat fans online. Not real ones. People thought maybe that was it was real. I'm not into violence. But I had the bravery to say, hey, your team sucks, okay? Your roster sucks. And Blazers don't want any of your roster, honestly. Uh, you don't have the assets to trade for a top three-point guard in this league, no matter how old he is, no matter how much he gets paid. And no matter how much you tell us that you do, no matter how much Dame's agent tells us that you do, you don't have it. And you would think I murdered a school bus full of Miami-Dade County orphans. I mean, they came for me in the streets. It was blood. The, the fan base is delusional. Uh, it's like you're trying to convince now the world that Tyler Hero is better than OG Ananobi. Because why? Because now Toronto looks like they're in the sweepstakes for Damian Lillard. And so you're going to come after OG Ananobi's caliber of play when Memphis was trying to trade for him for three first-round picks and Toronto said no. That's how crazy they are. The Heat are primed for a fall off the cliff. Why? They were a playing team last year. They were an eight seed. They caught fire. They were lucky. They were constructed in a way where Jimmy Butler took this team to a place that they probably shouldn't even gone. You had injuries to the Bucks, Giannis, Middleton, Embiid. You got carried on the back of Jimmy Buckets, right? He had some unbelievable performances. Nice story, nice run, but guess what? You can't steal Damian Lillard for nothing because we still know that those players aren't very good. This team went out. They lost Max Struess. They lost Gabe Vincent. Very critical players to what they did in the playoffs. They want to get Damian Lillard to take and then take on Kyle Lowry's albatross contract when he's 38 years old and that Portland should be happy. You're absolutely insane. And don't even get me started on Tyler Hero, who is ab as of absolutely no use to Portland at all, considering that they have one too many guards on their team right now. They don't need another one. Um, but they do lose starters from an eighth-place team, or well, a seventh-place team, but then, you know, the whole play-in thing. They lose Victor Oladipo and Colt Cody Zeller. And before you say, oh, that's no big loss, Oladipo averaged 11-3-4 in one half of the season. Zeller had 7-4 and 1 in 15 minutes, and that wasn't terrible either. So who did they replace Max Struess and Gabe Vincent with at this point? Josh Richardson, which Heat fans think is like the second coming of Jesus, and Thomas Bryant. Okay, sure. 
I love Jaime Hawkes. He's a great player. Is he ready to contribute right now, right this second to a title team? I don't know. I think he's going to need time to adjust. I think teams are going to be hunting him too because of this lack of size. Here is what one scouting report said about Jaime Hawkes. Hawkes struggles to create contact, often fading away and maneuvering around defenders. His 24.9 free throw rate percentage is 79th of 109 division wing forwards, division one wing forwards. Yuck. Despite his size, Hawkes tends to play small in the post. He allows defenders to easily alter his shots, although he is an excellent offensive rebounder. This may cause issues at the next level where players are quicker and stronger. If he struggles to hit perimeter shots and score on the post, he may be unable to make the most out of his hybrid size and his unique skill set. In other words, we know he's no Max Strews. Like, stop with that. So this is a team that's counting on major minutes from Kevin Love and Josh Richardson, who the last time that Josh Richardson was productive, really in any meaningful way, was when he played for Miami, and Miami flipped him to get Jimmy Butler, and they fleeced the Sixers. What are we? They don't really want him back. No. Seventh place to the finals was the surprise. Okay, that was the surprise. What would not surprise me is if this team is a lottery team when if they can't get Dame. See, I almost said when, if they can't get Dame. Let's move on. Just a quick little run around the league to see what's popping. We'll start with Indiana, who I said was my league pass team of the year. They are finally looking to move on from Buddy Heald. It's not a bad blood thing. It's just a fit situation. They've got too many guards, too many guys trying to get shots up. And let's be honest, Buddy Heald wants to chuck up 25 shots per game. And for all of his defensive flaws, there are a ton of teams looking for Buddy Heald-type caliber players. 40% from three, one of the best three-point shooters in the league, if not the best. And that's why they're talking about bringing him, bringing back a first-rounder for any trade for Buddy Heald. So they're not going to just get rid of him for nothing, right? Dallas wants him, of course. Uh, but this guy is going to have some suitors. They say that the league is moving towards hybrid players who can do everything. But I think, I think a specialist like Buddy Heald is going to find a role. He's shooting 43% from three. Okay? That's ridiculous. He's got six seasons under his belt. And he's shooting better now than he ever has in his career. We're talking about a guy who once nailed a three-pointer three seconds into a game, right? I remember when healed to the Lakers was a real discussion. Laker fans were talking about him being a negative asset. Laker fans, I might add, are only slightly less delusional than Heat fans. Orlando, San Antonio, Toronto, rumored to be very interested. Kind of like him. Kind of like him in Orlando. I'm not going to lie. They need some three-point shooting. Maybe trade him for Cole Anthony and maybe a pick. The latest, uh, though, is that there's no real urgency to trade him. They'll wait until the deadline. I think Indiana's going to see how the Dame sweepstakes go, and then they will act accordingly. Moving on, speaking of Dame. Oof. Can't get out of the episode without talking about the Dame update. Got to give you the update on what's happening on the Dame front. Turns out... All the things that we've heard uh, since July when Dame asked for a trade were lies, which was, hey, Portland, do what you need to do to get your affairs in order. But Dame's going to Miami because no other team wants him. And so you accept whatever the fuck we're willing to give you and be happy with it because, again, no one else wants him. That was not true. Turns out 
uh, the, the Toronto Raptors are interested. They are now in serious talks with Portland as we speak. And, of course, heat. We'll call it the heat circle, right? Heat media, but but we'll call it Miami media, Miami fans. They're like a little, like a little cult. They are shook. And it is sad, really, to see. Um, I've got people, like I said, telling me in my mentions that Tyler Hero is better than OG Ananobi. That is absurd. They're saying OG Ananobi now can't play with Jeremy Grant, which is absurd because Jeremy Grant plays four, OG Ananobi plays three. Uh, Dan fucking Levitard, real media member, is out here saying that because Toronto wouldn't sign Kyle Lowry at 35, why would they want Damian Lillard at 35? It's like, well, if you don't want this Dollar Tree steak, then why would you want that's 35, age 35 years? Why would you want this prime cut filet mignon that's 35 years old? It's, I mean, they're not even in the same universe. Damian Lillard is a top three guard in the league. Kyle Lowry, nice player, good defender in his time. He was, yes, he was an all-star. He was never Damian Lillard. It's getting crazy. So what now? The narrative has shifted. Miami fans, media are saying that Portland is being petty because they're not taking into account Dame's wishes. I thought it didn't matter. I thought Dame was just going to go to Miami and we had to take whatever we got because that was the only place that would give us a fair deal, which never was a fair deal. You can't demand you can't demand to go one place with 3 years left on your deal. And then especially to a place that doesn't really have the assets to get you. And what happens? You you get fucked you can, that's what's going to happen if they do that deal. This is a business, and the Blazers are not the kind of franchise that can afford to quite literally get fucked, right? Nobody wants to go there. You guys have been telling us nobody wants to go there. Nobody wants to go there. So this is the only way. The precedent this sets is really bad for the league because in this is even worse than free agency. The way that the bird rights have gone and trading for players and your individual team that drafted you having a better opportunity to sign you for more money. All of this is leading to players signing in bad faith and then eventually asking to get traded to the place they really wanted to go that didn't really have the money to pay them. And now that we can just trade them wherever they want to go, then it doesn't really matter when free agency is. Every team is now in play. And that Slaps in the face of what the NBA would like to do. This breaks the collective bargaining agreement pretty much entirely. This is how you end up with a broken down Kyle Lowry and his bullshit-ass contract on the books. If players can demand and get to go wherever they want to go, whenever they want to go, which, like, that's just a whole different game. So I'm not even going to comment on whether that's fair or not. If they can do that, I mean, nobody, no owner would want that. Every owner will freak the fuck out. And what Miami fans and media are desperate and very reluctant to admit is that they know that this is it. They could say, oh, if they don't get Dame, they will say, oh, well, we want Giannis. That's what we our plan was all along. Pat Riley's playing chess and everybody's playing checkers. But the truth is, Miami's not going to be any good without Dame. Hip-pocketing Kelly Oubre, which didn't occur because he went to the Philadelphia 76ers. Who knows why? Uh, that wasn't a great backup plan. It means your franchise is somewhat on life support. Pat Riley, Aaron Goodwin played chicken with the Blazers, never giving them their best offer. And you know what? Guess what? You're the one that's going to be fucked. You're the one that gets to stand around holding your dicks. I'm just kidding. Sort of. As for the Blazers, 
They have Scoot, they have Shaden, they have Anthony, and it looks like it could be Grady Dick and OG and Anobi, maybe flipping OG and Anobi and Nurk for DeAndre Ayton picks. Blazers are going to be just fine. And the sooner I have to stop hearing from Heat fans, the happier I'm going to be. Uh, moving forward, former number two pick in the draft, Jabari Parker, recently sounded off uh, on Twitter or to some interview about why he is now playing with FC Barcelona in the EuroLeague. It's not earth-shattering news that he went to the EuroLeague, but I think what he said was very interesting, and I wanted to talk about it. He said in his recent interview the following, Sadly, the NBA is a business, and there are 10 to 12 teams that try to win every game, and their other half try to get a draft pick. Where does that leave good players? You either have to be super good or bad to lose games. It's no excuse to see DeMarcus Cousins, Dwight Howard, John Wall, guys who are potentially in the Hall of Fame, to see those guys not have a job. We're going to see the league getting watered down, unfortunately, and a lot of things are out of our control. And you know what? I think he's right. I think Jabari Parker is right about this. Guys like Kemba Walker and Mike James are guys that could definitely play minutes in the NBA, and they're not going to make a roster because teams they could give valuable minutes to are too worried about trying to land a lottery pick. So kind of the evolution of the game, I guess. Does it mean that NBA players' careers will likely be shorter? Probably. It means that they're not going to give you a guaranteed contract if you're a journeyman. The trade-off, of course, is that the EuroLeague is going to get better and players like Jabari Parker and Derek Williams will settle into having long, productive European careers. And let's be honest, Europe isn't so bad. It's a nice place to live. Uh, and for fans, EuroLeague's more accessible than ever on ESPN. They broadcast a ton of games. And if you like to bet, maybe you now know the players that you're going to be betting on. All of this begs the question, how long until the NBA gets a European franchise? Knowing Adam Silver, that'll be sooner than ever. That's all the time that we have for this episode of the Heat Check. Check back next week for an all-new episode. Check the feed for past episodes. And make sure to check our social. Do not forget to download, subscribe. Please tell your friends, every single one of them. Follow us on at this Heat Check and at Trista Crick on TikTok. Instagram, and Twitter. Big shout out to my new producer. I really, really appreciate William uh, for being here for us. Thank you so much to William, and we'll see you next time. 